Hi, welcome to 15-Minute Film Fanatics. I'm Dan. And I'm Mike. And the way this works is we're going to have three segments for every film we discuss. The first one is our gut reactions. Then we're going to talk about our best scenes. And then we're going to talk about the end of the movie or the title or the big takeaways, right? So this week we're going to talk about Million Dollar Baby, the Clint Eastwood film. Um, Mike and I, the premise of this podcast is that we never talk about these movies to each other until we do the podcast. We've talked about plenty of movies, but not the ones that we're going to talk about on this show. Mike's idea was to talk about Million Dollar Baby. We both watched it. Mike, gut reactions. So my impression from uh, of this film is that I like it more than a lot of other people that I speak to. Okay. A lot of people think that it is either one of the most traumatic experiences that they've ever had to sit through, uh-huh. uh, or they find it uh, a little too gritty uh, or, or maudlin. I know someone who came out of the movie so shaken up, he said it made me hate movies. <laughs> well, that's, that's exactly right. So I kind of go through life loving this movie, but not finding anybody to talk to about it. You know, if you sit down on the couch and someone says, what do you think we should watch? And you say a million dollar baby. It's Friday night after a long week. <laughs> exactly. No, no, nobody wants to watch it, but I um, I find the film a beautiful, deeply moving. I think it was Clint Eastwood's best film uh, since Unforgiven, which okay. is a perennial favorite of mine. Okay. So. I'm with you, I'm yeah. with you. I think it's great. I think it's, um, it reminded me watching it again and I've only seen it maybe once or twice before I watched it for the show, um, how much, when Clint Eastwood's a good director, how much he's like John Huston. Like he knows where to put a camera, doesn't call attention to himself, and trusts the script. And and that's really evident in this movie. But um, I loved it in spite of, Mike, in spite of a, a list of reasons why it shouldn't work. And I made a list. Want to hear what's on my list? Yeah, go for it. I made a list of reasons why this movie should not work. These are eye roll things or things. Okay, here we go. First of all, you know, I'm the old man who lost my daughter, and now I found a daughter. That's like out of the Hallmark Channel, right? Um, uh, the fat, um, the the robe yeah. that says, you know, my darling, and in in Gaelic, and even that the fact that it's Irish is even more maudlin and melancholy, right? Um, the, the thing about her dog, you know, you have to do it to me, like like they did to Axel, the dog, and he, she even says it out loud, like so the audience, oh, get it? She's like the dog. She's like the dog. Um, the uh, some of the lines like uh, you know, girly tough ain't enough, like that. That would be a cringeworthy line that shouldn't work, right? Um, when Morgan Freeman um, punches uh, Sherell out yeah. and he says like one ten, remember that one ten? That's the one tenth knockout. That's like a yay. That's like a cheesy thing in a movie. Um, that there's no investigation for the, uh, you know, if I ever check into that hospital, like there's no investigation for you could just waltz in and, and commit euthanasia and then leave, I guess, right? Um, uh, her mother, Hillary Swank's mother, like putting the pen in Hillary Swank's mouth. Like yeah, even like Richard the Third would say, like that's a little over the top. Like that was a little much. And um, and you know, like the whole Clint Eastwood, Morgan Freeman, like lovable buddy kind of. Now I say all of that. Those are all the reasons why I think individually it wouldn't work, but the whole is better than the sum of its parts because uh, I was totally sucked into the movie. I thought it was really, really moving, and um, in spite of all those things that I think could have gone wrong. No, I feel absolutely the same way. I feel start to finish in that in that movie that I'm in good hands. And right. I, there's there's some everything that you said is 100% true. And on the other end of this argument, when people say, "Well, I bought the movie, but it's just it was so grim yeah. that I never want to see it again," I absolutely believe them as well. Yeah. But somehow I I always have a trust or never lose never uh-huh. lose faith that there's that there's a payoff or that something important is going right. on here and I, again i rewatched the film maybe 11 12 times wow i like it more every single yeah time and the, it. it's interesting you said about the payoff because i know people that have said they went into it when it came out um thinking it was going to be clint's female rocky movie and the first hour it is it and is it, all you need is a slow motion training montage of him and her jumping up on the beach like when <laughs> sylvester Stallone and apollo creator jumping up and, and on the beach and rocky three but um 
and it is that and that but i think that that's what's great about the movies that's all you know to belabor the point it's a sucker punch so Absolutely. when she gets sucker punched so does the audience and then all of a sudden it's like you you've channel surfed into this this grim world where this guy has to make this terrible decision. I absolutely think that the grimness is what holds it together despite a lot of the maudlin elements uh, that you said. In other words, I, I understand that the film gives its viewers uh, some easy wins, but there's there's no there's no easy wins that, right. that make up for the the totality of the film. So what do you mean by an easy win? You mean like like his relationship with Morgan Freeman? Sure, or, 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 yeah. knocking somebody, you, you got holes in your socks. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right. you're 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 100 right. In right. any other film universe, uh, I'm I'm not buying it. Uh, but the absolute totality of the vision of this film is so grim that I think actually those are some of the things that keep it afloat. Yeah. Absolutely right, and watching it again, knowing knowing the whole second half of the film, actually makes the first half a lot more rich because you know everything they do has an asterisk next to it absolutely. that they don't know about, but that the, the viewer absolutely does. Um, all right, well, that's our first segment. Yeah, and then we can. So now we should talk about uh, what we think is a key scene or, or the best scene. Do you want to lead this sure one thing, on? Sure thing, yeah. I was going to talk about the priest saying you're utterly lost, but I'll save that for later. For me, the thing that resonated with the film was that um, when Morgan Freeman's doing the voiceover and he says, she grew up knowing one thing, she was trash. And when she steals the steak and says, it's for my dog. And I think that's such a great, great moment because it makes her three-dimensional and this is going to sound terrible, but, you know, a, a lot of people do go through life, not they are trash, but they don't know it. And her experience with Clint Eastwood allows her to rise out of something. She becomes something better than she was, which is what I think the title is about in a lot of different ways. But I think that that moment where she steals the steak and just lies, it, it, it's so human and it's so believable. And it shows you how um, how much she, all, the, all of the boxing, what it's going to mean to her. That I think that that makes her a really, really uh, sympathetic character. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Because um, her parents don't know that they're trash. That's the whole thing. Like her family does not know that they're trash, but she does, and it's almost like a curse. Yeah, and I, I think that as soon as she, as soon as we know that she knows it, Morgan yeah. Freeman lets us know yeah. in a voiceover that she knows it. But as soon as you strive for something outside of that condition, right. I think th that you've in some ways exited the condition. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I think that for, for me, the, the key scene is actually what, what happens later when her trainer, uh, Frankie, right. um, you know, kills, kills her, her essentially, yeah. but, but really is helping her escape another sort right. of condition, yeah. um, which I think in any other film, uh, there, there could be a, a big music swell in the background for, for the goodbye. Right. Um, or there, you know, I think a lesser director really would not pay a lot of attention uh, to the moment. In, in other words, make it, uh, make it commonplace, uh, or or try to uh, try to drop it because he didn't know what to do with it, right, right? right? Because if you show too much attention, you're doing you're making it like a Hallmark movie. Yep. But there's there's something really beautiful about the intense drama of the scene that is that is not maudlin, which is watching right. uh, Frankie come in just like um, you know, I think that the I think that that segment in the, the movie you can correct me if I'm wrong lasts about as minute as uh, lasts about as long as a cut. Yeah, in, in the a, corner, yeah. which is, which is right. the, which right, it is, the, is, the idea yeah. for the structure of the scene, um, and and really him doing what what he's doing best. He's got the the needles in his mouth. He looks right. assured, like he knows exactly yeah. what he's doing, right. which never once took me out of the movie. You know, no. I, I was completely buying everything that was. I going totally in. believed it, right? And that, yeah. I never thought of that. Um, in lesser hands, 
he would have had a Hamlet moment. Absolutely. And it would have been Hamlet on his way to kill Claudius for having the pause. And, right. Well, he's praying now. I can't do it right. now. It would have been something like that. But when he goes in with that bag, you're like, wow, he's really made up his mind. He's really going to do it. And, and you totally buy into it. I, absolutely. And, you know, or you can imagine a different way that it would be done where it would be done off screen or something. And just, right. see, just, oh, see him, yeah. just see him leaving the room. So I, I think that there was really uh, a challenge there for um, Eastwood, both as a director and, and as an actor. And, and one thing that really works is there is something cliche about having a tough guy character not not show emotion and then right. suddenly break down right but the, the way in which uh, it it happens uh, over time and over the course of that scene really impresses me yeah, every single time right he doesn't like it's it's not like watching lee marvin no. <laughs> or something like that and it's also funny i never that never occurred to me that it could have been off screen you could, like he could have shown frankie walk into the room and then walk out. If he and, walks out and a bunch of nurses are running yeah. in, it's Hello, very clear. What's... Or they hear the, the, the flatline thing we've all learned from movies. <laughs> the, um, that would be very clear. But I think he wants you to participate in it. Exactly. For the, but for the two of them to look one another in the eye right. is, is a very special moment. Right. And, and, but that you also have to look at them in the eye as well. Absolutely. Because if not, it would minimalize what Frank does because he knows that, you know, as the priest says to him, if you do this, you're going to be lost. And he knows that might be true. He's been going, remember, he's been going to church every week for how many years to make up for what happened with his daughter. And now, uh, and now, but he knows that, but he still goes in and, and does it. And and the fact that, uh, you know, you brought it up, there's no editorializing about it. Right. He goes in and does it. And and Clint doesn't tell you what you're supposed to think about this, but it, and I think that's why it's so believable. Right. Well, what goes back to your point about about the angles? There's no, there's nothing special done that, <laughs> right. that says that right. says this is a this is a special moment. This is Frank at work. Yeah. Uh, which really just blows me away and yeah. strikes a very interesting balance, as you said, between moments that are Hallmark movie worthy, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 grimness. Somehow they keep the movie afloat, but then the the grimness of this moment sinks the movie down yeah. and and keeps everything right where it should be I feel at least emotionally yeah and then he walks out and that's it like what did you expect and he I walks mean, out and eats pie that's right he walks out and eats pie so that's our key scenes thing thank you we're gonna pause here because we just want to tell you something if you haven't heard about Anchor it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. The first point is it's free. Yeah. Second, they have all the tools that you need to create, record, and edit your podcast right on your phone or your laptop. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can hear it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other places. You pick up sponsorships, you can make money from your podcast, and there's no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Always be closing, Mike. Always be closing. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Okay, we're back for segment three. And Mike, you notice we beat the buzzer on both those segments. Yeah, twice in a row. We came in under time. That was excellent. All right, so in our last segment, we'd like to talk about the final scene of the title and what we think those mean to us, right? So watching it again, we get the final scene of Clint Eastwood sitting there eating his pie. We find out that Morgan Freeman's been writing this whole letter to Clint Eastwood's daughter who will respond to him. And for me, what's great about that scene is not that he got away with it, but that we don't know to what extent he got away with it. He got away with it legally, which again is one of those things I talked about in the first segment, like that there's no there's no um, reason why he should have gotten away with it. You know, it's one of those things you forget about. I told you I worked in the pharmaceutical industry. Do you understand no. how difficult it is to actually buy a syringe? Don't have a prescription. And he even has a doctor bag. He comes yeah. in with his, his, his trainer bag. Sorry, but anyway, th- so the point is he gets away with it legally. He's hiding out. 
Um, but I think what's interesting about the movie is, I, I mentioned this before, is that the, the crisis moment where he's almost in tears talking to the priest and, and he tells the priest what he's going to do. And he says, if you do this, you will be utterly lost. And we, we don't know if he's utterly lost and neither does he. But he's going to like use what time he has. He's going to eat that piece of pie and know at least we don't know if he's done something terrible. We don't know if he's done something necessary, but he did it and he's living with it. And, that, and that's who he is. And there's something there's something admirable about that, about his character for doing that. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think that's what really saves the movie from being either maudlin or, or overly right. grim. Right. We know how to respond as an audience to something. Uh, model and or how right. you're supposed to react to a Hallmark movie. We know how uh, there are movies whose visions are utterly grim, uh, okay. and we know how to res- how to respond to those. Right. You know, uh, and it almost uh, you know fetishizes sorrow. Right. Uh, but we, I don't know how to respond emotionally yeah. to this movie. I think that's why I keep watching it uh, over and over because there are no uh, simple or easy conclusions. When I watched it again, I watched it with my son who had never seen it before, and it was. I don't, he said, "What's it about?" I said, "Just watch it. I'm not going to tell you what it's about." And it was over, and the credits came on. And- we were just both sitting there, just silent, and we, we couldn't even talk about it at first. And it's so much better because imagine if there were like you know an editorial at the end, yeah. it's something where he got caught and taken to jail, and the audience was like, no, 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 he he had to save her, he had to shoot her like the dog Axel, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be too cheap and too manipulative, and, and it, it, it'd be too prepackaged. Yeah, I, th- I think that the the movie is utterly fearless in making sure that two things are clear. The first is that uh, there are actions that have real consequences right. uh and and second sometimes you don't really have a choice right you know you you can imagine a different version of this film where he's sitting with the priest in that scene yeah. that you alluded to and the priest goes no don't worry about it there's forgiveness yeah. for everybody yeah. <laughs> that's god like, will understand right that's a totally different a cinematic universe right. than, the, than the one that we're in which is right uh, i don't know you just have to take a chance and if the priest did say that of course it would cheapen it would be like his his get out of jail free card morally for committing this crime you yeah know? Absolutely. So, so that's why it's great what about you what did you make what do you, you make of the title yes so obviously million, million dollar baby you know frankie invests his time on this on this fighter who's supposed to fulfill all, all his hopes and dreams right. that he's always had as a trainer but but obviously there's something much larger going on where i think that uh, she represents his his best chance to build a family and, and it's the family that he's striving for looking for or possibly lost you know, he the the scenes where he's going to church uh, yeah. o- over and over are, are either only entirely funny because he keeps taunting the priest right. uh, <laughs> o- over and over, but they have to mean something yeah. uh, at some point. And what? Well, I got the vibe that whatever happened with his daughter, you're meant to understand it was his fault. Yeah, he and said the unsayable thing, whatever it was, but it's his fault, which is why he keeps going to church, right? Did you think that? Yeah, uh, you know, obviously he's there looking for something, and right. he can't. <laughs> And can't admit to himself that he's looking for something, and hasn't found it. And right. that's why the, that's why the title is so good because it resonates his need. Like he goes all in, right, on her because that's why he wanted to train her in the beginning. I don't train girls. Right. Oh, oh there's that's our all buzzer. We have time for. There's our buzzer. Okay, saved by the bell for the audience. All right. So, thanks, Mike. That was fun. All right. Talk take care. Soon. Bye.